All right, today we're going to continue our study. Um, today I'm so excited about this uh, message God has given me out of the book of Ephesians chapter 2 as we continue our CrossFit and eight-week series of messages, both in our uh, Bible life, our Connect Group classes, as well as our public worship. We are focusing, if you're a guest today, if you're new to our church or to, new to our area, uh, what we're doing is we are looking at the cross of Christ and we're learning a, a new way to share the gospel through the five crosses. And what, what we're looking at over these eight weeks is really how to make disciples the way Jesus did, to make disciples by helping people come to faith in Christ. And then once they receive the Lord, what do we do then? Well, we, we help them grow and we nurture them and we teach them. Yes, publicly. And we do that. We do uh, a fair job of that here at Great Hills, both in our Bible studies and our small groups, in our collective joint <clears throat> worship services, but also love for us to get to the point where everybody that receives Christ has someone that will come alongside them and disciple them and help them grow. Today we look at the, uh, the acrostic CrossFit, and today we look at R, and R stands for redemption. And we have titled my message today, Sweet uh, redemption, And I think I, that adjective is so apropos, the sweet redemption of God as he gave his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins on the cross. He arose from the dead, conquering death, canceling the debt that was toward us, and he has set us free. You know, I think one of the reasons I'm so excited about these messages is they're very axiomatic. They're very basic. They're very fundamental. As I shared with you last week, it's so important for us as a church especially as we navigate through these crazy, perilous election year times. It's so easy for us to get our minds off of the preeminent thing that should always occupy our minds and our energy and our volition and our devotion, and that is the cross of Christ, that Jesus died and he conquered death. He arose from the dead so that you and I could have life and, yea, have it in abundance. And CrossFit is just a way for us to just kind of rally around the cross and the empty tomb and to help introduce other people to come to know the Lord. I had such a good time Tuesday night. <clears throat> we had a handful of people go out, but hey, I'm grateful to God for the 13 that showed up Tuesday night, and we went out and just shared Jesus up and down these areas, these, and it was just fantastic. God gave us an opportunity after opportunity. You know, I just want you all to know, if you haven't noticed yet, there's a big old world out there, and there's a world that really needs Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about way over there in Washington, D.C. I'm talking about way over there on Marado Cove, amen? I mean, just right, our neighbors in this little radius that God has placed us in right here in Great Hills, there's so many people that need the Lord. So God gave me this five crosses a number of months ago, and I'm trying to encourage you to use it. I'm using it, and the, the, the R, again, stands for uh, re redemption. God has demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were sinners... Christ died for us. And the second cross points to that vertical beam. You know, it's a vertical beam. It's intersected by a horizontal beam. And that vertical points to the fact that God, in His grace and His mercy, condescended, came down to us. And what He did was He came to us because there was no way that we could ever reach up to Him. Now, I know that's simple. And I know that you've heard that many times, but, you know, we need to be reminded of that. And that's what I want to do in these messages over these next, now six weeks, is just to encourage us in the basics. So let's go to the text. It's Ephesians chapter 2. It's a very rich, theological, Christological, soteriological passage of Scripture. And I just hope you get wrapped up in it like I did over the last two weeks, really two weeks 
that it took me just to kind of piece this together and bring this together. And by the way, thank you for praying. I know many of you pray for your pastor, and I want you to know I appreciate that. I need that. I so absolutely, unequivocally need that, probably now more than ever in my life or in my ministry, as we, as we walk toward what God wants us to walk toward, to be the church that He wants us to be. I'm so grateful to God that I get to serve, and I get to serve Him, and I get to preach this text today. So let's look at it. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself, I love the way Paul writes this, under the leadership, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you see He Himself, in the Greek, that is for emphasis sake. That is the emphatic, the, the double pronoun. He, 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 making sure that you and I, the reader, there's no obfuscation. There is no confusion as to who this person is. This is, by the way, this is redemption's redeemer. He is going to spell out for us who this person is, what he has done, why he is so special. He himself is our peace, who has made both one and he has broken down. Now, this next phrase, only time, it is used in the entire Greek New Testament. It's a very fascinating, and we'll talk about it in a moment. But he has broken down the middle wall of separation. And Jesus has abolished this. He's rendered it inoperative. He's rendered it useless. He's abolished in his flesh the hostility or the enmity. That is... The law and the commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might, that's the subjunctive mood in, in the Greek New Testament. You, know, you have the imperative mood, you have the indicative mood, you have the optative mood, and you've got the, you've got the subjunctive mood. The subjunctive is always the mood of perhaps. Uh, perhaps that he might, he might reconcile. You say, well, wait a minute now. Might? What do you mean? God might. No, no. God's done everything that God can do. The perhaps and the might is on us. See, if we believe and we trust in him, then he would reconcile us to God in one body through the cross, Woo. thereby putting death the enmity. And Jesus came and uagolitsomai, not karux, not caruso. Karux is just to preach or to make a proclamation, which is powerful, no doubt. But this word, preached, is the word evangelism. It really, it's a transliterated word. We, we get the word evangelism from this Greek word uagolitso, which means to evangelize, to share the gospel. Okay, he came and he preached irene. He came and he preached Peace to you who are afar off. And, and, and you've probably caught this dichotomy by now as you're reading the text that he is juxtaposing Gentiles and Jews. And he's saying Gentiles who are far from God, far from the law, far uh, from, the, from the commandments, far from the, the Scriptures, they're far off, and God's drawing them near, and he's drawing the Jews, even though they're near, they're far off, he's drawing them all together. Watch this. And he's saying to those both far off and to those who were near. Look at verse 18. For it was through him. Now, notice this passage of Scripture, church. I know I'm giving you a lot of heavy theology uh, right here, 1120, 1130, whatever time it is. But, man, this is so rich in this text. 
you're going to see a very rich, deep, Trinitarian proclamation by the Apostle Paul. For it is through Jesus that we have access by the Holy Spirit to the Father. Isn't that rich? Isn't that powerful? So today I'm going to share with you a message called Sweet Redemption. And we're going to look at redemption's reach. We're going to look at the long arm of God to reach anybody and everybody. Aren't you glad today that nobody is beyond the reach of God? I mean, God can reach anybody. No matter how far off they are, God can draw them nigh. And then we're going to look at redemption's redeemer. And that's going to be a very Christological moment. And we're just going to go into the Word of God and, and study the Scriptures and, and just seek to just squeeze the nectar out of the fruit of this powerful passage of Scripture. And it is, it is a passage. It's all about Jesus. This text is very Christological. And whenever you speak and you magnify and you honor Jesus, then it moves us naturally to soteriology. And soteriology is the doctrine of salvation. And so when you have the person... Mm, the person of Jesus, then you look at the work of Jesus, and then you look at the cross of Jesus and the empty tomb of Jesus, and then the next thing you know, you got people who are born again. You got people who are rallying around that cross who have been saved through the blood shed for us, and, and we've been energized, and we've been, ooh, the Holy Spirit of God has come in us, and now we're a part of His family, and we who are way off. In the distance, in sin and in shame and in guilt far from God, God has reached down to us in His grace, and He's pulled us close to His breast. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that good news? For it is through Him, through Jesus, all of this accessibility, all of this peace has been granted to us by the Holy Spirit. And, we, and all this happens, we come into the very holy of holies, as Hebrews 4.16 says, Now, let us come boldly to the throne of God, the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I've shared this before, and I, I want to mention it to you again. And God willing, I hope I get to mention it a lot of times to you. The main difference between Christianity and all other religions, whether they are cultic religions, sect religions, or, you know, Buddhism to Confucianism to Islam to Mormonism to Jehovah Witnesses, all of those have one common denominator. And they give you a religion of works. That if you just be good enough, and if you just do the right things enough times, then God, whoever He is, then God's going to, He's just going to bring you into His heaven because your good deeds have outshone your bad deeds, and up against that works salvation. I mean, like this, like this beautiful diamond up against the black drop of the cloth of the jeweler. In comes Christianity. And Jesus says, no, you've got it all wrong. You could never reach up to God. God is so holy, and He's so awesome, and He's so above us. The only way you're going to reach Him is you're going to have to get on my back, and I'll take you to Him. That's the difference, you see, because we could never in our sin and, and in our alienation and in our separation from God, we could never reach Him. Pray tell, please tell me. If we could, then why did Jesus come? He should have never come. 
He certainly should have never died a horrible death, a substitutionary hemorrhaging, bloody death on a stick of wood outside the gates of Jerusalem. He should have never done that if we just could have worked hard and, and made our way up to God, but we can't. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Ashley and I, we were in Washington, D.C., and, and the reason we were there is a friend of ours has been promoted to admiral, a rear admiral in the Navy, and so that is just a, that's just a rare thing, and so we were able to go and Endel is one of my dear friends. We've known each other from just country boys from Alabama, and there, there he is. And I've seen him just grow and see the hand, the favor of God upon his life. So we were supposed to meet at the Pentagon, but he, we couldn't because it rained, so we ended up going to Bonefish Grill. Amen. If you can't go to the Pentagon, go to Bonefish. And that's where we had the ceremony. And while we were there, and you've been to Washington, um, Washington, my, my, my. What a mess. <laughs> what a mess. God, have mercy on our mess. Have mercy on us. Okay, anyhow, we're there in Washington. And uh, Ashley and I, we, we go to this new museum. It's new to us because it's been a number of years since I've been to the Smithsonian, since I've been to the presidential monuments, since I've been to the Capitol. And I love going to those places. And by the way, I don't think, if you've got the IQ of a roach, I don't think that you can go to Washington, D.C., and then remain seated when the national anthem is played. I, I just don't realize how you don't understand history. Yeah, you don't, you don't understand. <clears throat> you don't understand what God has done to give us this great country. So anyhow, Ashley and I, we go to this museum. I think we've got a picture of the, it's called the Museum. Do y'all see that on the screen? There we are. And so... Um, I didn't ask my wife if I could show that picture. Ashley, I'm asking for forgiveness, I guess. It's okay. You look beautiful. You always do. And so there we are at the museum. And I would encourage you, the next time you're there, it's right in the heart of everything. The museum is a museum dedicated to the news. And when you go there, it is fascinating. You, you see all these exhibits. And there's a big FBI exhibit. And they have original artifacts. I mean, they actually have pieces of the plane that plummeted into the Twin Towers, have, have parts of those planes. They have, they have entire intact cars loaded, a car, one car loaded with bombs that was to detonate in Times Square a number of years ago, but it didn't detonate, but they've preserved that. And you can go and you can walk through that. And then <clears throat> there is this Arabic letter. <clears throat> There's a letter in Arabic sitting right here on this display. And then it has the picture of all of those terrorists in 9-11 that hijacked those airplanes, those four airplanes. Remember that? Two of them into New York City, one in the Pentagon, and then one in the, in the, in the field of Pennsylvania. So they've got artifacts, and they've got a letter in Arabic. Now, I don't know Arabic, but I do know English, and somebody translated it. And there I'm reading this letter from the jihadist leadership. And they are encouraging the hijackers. And they are appealing to them with everything they have. Don't lose heart. You can do this. Don't be fussing and fighting and don't have cowardice. I mean, this is a letter they are opening on the night before. Or maybe the day of, and they're reading this letter, and, and man, those jihadists, they are encouraging, and they're motivating. They say, just think about how Allah is going to be so pleased with you. Just think about the paradise that is awaiting you. And this is the line that got me. 
as you know, you are earning your salvation to enter into the very presence of God. And I read that. And I thought, what a lie from the pit of hell. But that's Islam. It is lies. Because you can't earn your way to heaven. And you certainly don't need to be killing people trying to earn your way to heaven. I mean, the only way you can go there is by the cross of Jesus Christ. Muhammad did not die on a cross for your sins. Jesus did. And then he arose from the dead, and here we are worshiping him and serving him. And the great extension of our faith is not that we'll go kill somebody and take them out for some other God, but that we would lay down our life even as our king laid down his life. Hallelujah. What a gospel. What a savior. Now I got to get going. That's a long introduction. Let me get going. Where's my sons? Layton over here? Hey, Layton. I'm going to preach extra long for Layton because he's here today. You know, I thought about this. It, it comes 12 o'clock. If I'm still preaching, you're welcome to leave. No, I'm really serious. Because some have a hard time with me going over and long, and I'm just passionate about this and I want to do this. If you get up and leave, I'm not going to think anything less of you. You really may need to beat the Methodists and the Presbyterians and the other Baptists to Luby's or wherever it is or Chewy's or whatever it is. And you go, or if you have children, serious, if you got kids and you need to feed them and you need to take care of them and I'm still up here preaching at 12, hey, I get one shot at this. Well, that's about to change because I'm going to get some shots on Monday night. I'm going to get some Thursday morning shots and all. But anyhow, on Sunday morning, I get one shot. And if you need to go, then you just need to go. Okay, that's all right. Y'all happy with that? Good with that? Okay, good. Redemption's reach. Let's look at this, verse 13. So now those in Christ Jesus who were once far off. Well, when you look at verses 11 and 12, you know exactly who he's talking about. In fact, he calls them the Gentiles in the flesh. Do you see it in verse 11? who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. That at the time you were without Christ, look at, look at these descriptive phrases. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. Verse 12 says you had no hope. You were without God in this world. And so Paul talks about these Gentiles. These That's us, by the way, unless, unless you're a Jew here today. The Gentiles are those who are outside the... You know, the, the, the covenants, the, the laws, and, and you know, we, we are far off. And, and so here we are trying to keep these laws and trying to do these circumcisions and trying to keep all these commandments, and, and we can't. We can't. And so God comes down and he reaches us through his cross to break down the wall of separation, to bring the Jews and the Gentiles together. I love Isaiah 53, 6. It talks about how... How far away we were. Isaiah says, we're like sheep. We've gone astray. Everybody's turned to our own way. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? And the Lord, Yahweh, has laid on him, the Messiah, the Christ, the iniquity of us all. But now in Christ Jesus. I thought about a song here. 
and uh, hadn't, hadn't really rehearsed it or practiced it because I'm not going to sing it. But let, let, me, let me just read it to you. It's called The Blood That Will Never Lose Its Power. And there's a, there's a line in there. There's a line in there that talks about the reach of God. Let, let me read it to you. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power for it reaches to the highest a mountain. You, you know that line? It reaches to the highest mountain, then it flows down in the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never, ever, no, never lose its power. Woo, that's the gospel. The blood of Jesus Christ, it reaches down to the lowest valley. Goes up to the highest man, never loses its power. This is redemption's reach. But now in Christ Jesus, you are way off. You've been brought near through the blood of Christ. Some of you disagree. I know you do. Some of you say, you don't understand me. You don't understand what I've done and my dastardly evil deeds. You don't know about my iniquities and what I've done and what I've thought, what I've said. And oh, especially, Pastor, in my younger years, the things that, let me, let me just tell you something. Just save your breath. I don't know and I don't care. I do know this much, that the blood of Jesus Christ that cleansed me, a stained sinner, is the same precious, powerful... It's the divine tide, if you will. It's the divine agent, the divine detergent. Then when it's mixed on my dirty heart, my dirty heart comes out clean every single time. You know why? Because it's his blood that was shed for me. Listen, it was pristine, pure, precious blood. Not the blood of some maniac, not the blood of some crazy person, but it is the blood of the eternal God come down to earth and he died so that you might live to God. I mean, this is the blood of Jesus shed for you and shed for me. And it reaches, whoo, the long arm of the law. No, the long arm of God. It reaches to the highest mountain and his hand deeps down into the lowest valley. And he says, and you are mine. I draw you near through my son. Man, that's a gospel worth preaching. Number two is redemption's redeemer. This is 14 through 16. He himself is our peace. Now watch this. Peace, this redeemer is going to give peace. Peace is mentioned four times in three verses. In verses 14 and 15 and in verse 17. Not in English, but when you read it in the Greek, it, it's so fascinating. It says it twice. It just leapt off of me. And when I was reading that this week, it just says... And he is peace, and he is peace, says it twice, our Redeemer. He has made the Jews and the Gentiles one. He has broken down the middle wall of separation. In study, and I was coming across all these theories and all these ideas about what is the middle wall. I had a lot of things cross through my mind. One was the wall separating the court of the Gentiles from the court of the Jews. In the temple in Jerusalem, they had a, there was a sign there in Jesus' day. And it said, basically, you, Jew, you Gentiles, you have a court. You stay in that court. But you don't come in this court. Because you're a Gentile, all right? And we are Jews. 
And it had a sign, literally a sign that says, if you're a Gentile and you get in here, you're going to die. We're just going to kill you. By the way, that creates animosity. That creates division. That creates, the Bible's telling us, that's enmity and that's enemy and that's hostility. And Jesus said, pooey on that. Pooey on that. Man, y'all are one. I'm going to die for you Gentiles who are far off and you Jews who are close by. I'm just going to rip all that hostility up. And here's how I'm going to make sure everybody knows that it's God. Is I'm going to put the Jews and the Gentiles together at the church of Antioch. And, and, and y'all are all going to be one. Isn't that good? Hey, listen. In America, we don't have a race problem. We got a sin problem. You know what I'm saying? We got a problem of the heart. And Jesus, and I'm telling you, only Jesus Christ can tear it down. This wall of hostility, this, this wall of separation. And, and another person I, I read said, no, the wall represents the veil in the temple. Come on, y'all with me? I've got the Gentiles, I've got the court of the women, the Jews. Then come on in here to the holy, and then the holy of holies. Here it is. Right here. You can't get in. Nobody can get in. Only the priest Yom Kippur can get in. They tie a rope around his ankle because he's got sin. He dies. And they pull him out. You know, they pull him out like that. That's, that's what's going on. This is the Holy of Holies right here. And Jesus said, put you on that. You want in? You want forgiveness? You want my grace? Then I'll die and I'll tear it all apart so that you can come into heaven. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. No, really. He split the veil. You don't think he's changing things? He, to he tore the... He did. It ripped. And Jesus, I'm doing something new. This is, this is Hebrews. This is the book of Hebrews encapsulated in one sentence. I'm showing you a better way. This is the way of redemption. And the person who makes all this happen is the Redeemer. Now I've got a couple of good quotes, but you can see them somewhere. God, our girl, this destroyed the abolishment of the hostility, that palpable, thick, hostility that we erect between Jews and Gentiles, between Jews and the half-breed Samaritans, between race and caste. And that's one of the most ungodly things I think I've ever seen in the nation of India is this caste. I'm better. I was born and got the blood, the blue blood flowing through me, and I'm better than you. No, you're not. Nobody's better than anybody else. We're all sinners at the cross, and we are saved when we come to Jesus Christ, and He cleanses us. He, and, and our Redeemer, the strong arm, He abolishes all of this. And I'll tell you something else I thought about when I saw this wall of separation. I thought of the Berlin Wall. When we were in the museum, there was an exhibit there that it had pieces of the Berlin Wall. No, really, in America, you can go, you can see it. It cost you about 20 bucks to get in. You can stay all day. Our ticket was good for two days. And you go in, and there's this exhibit, and it has the Berlin Wall. And on the western side of the wall is graffiti, and it's, it's colorful, and it's got rainbows of color on it. And then you go on the eastern side of the wall, 
It's white. Bleached white. You know why? Those East Germans, man, when they saw you climbing up that wall to go to freedom, they going to shoot you dead. All right? So that's why it was white. The wall of Berlin separating the freedom of the West and the communism and the captivity of the East. By the way, guys, this was just 30 years ago. In 1987, June the 12th, Ronald Reagan goes to Berlin. Whoa, don't, whoo! I'm just going to say this. I get in trouble for saying this. Y'all just report me to whoever you want to report me. But I just wish to God we could get another Ronald Reagan. I don't, you may not like that. You may not like that at all. But man, I wish we could get somebody of that character. I don't care if he's independent, Democrat, or Republican. If he had that kind of character, you say, well, you don't know Ronnie very well. Yeah, he was a sinner. I am a sinner too. But man, I like a whole lot of what that guy did. And he stood up there and he goes, Mr. Gorbachev, what he said. But you know what else he said? It's very interesting. He said, this wall cannot stand. Faith will destroy this wall. Freedom will destroy this wall. This wall will fall. And in two years, in 1989, and the walls came up. Come a-tumbling down. It took somebody with guts. It took somebody with a vision to confront evil and speak against it. And I'm, t- I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about Ronald Reagan. I'm talking about Jesus. He comes from heaven to earth with guts, with decisiveness, with a plan, with a vision, with a passion. And, he, and this vision, this passion includes him stretching out his arms and dying on a cross, bleeding, so that all of us who are far away could draw near to the forgiveness, to the throne of God, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, drawn by the Holy Spirit. Redeemers. The redemption's redeemer. I'm, verse 16 says, he, he did this so that he might reconcile us. Now, whether that's Jew and Gentile, or whether that's humanity to God, you take your choice on the interpretations, your hermeneutics. I think they're both right. I think he, he's saying, I'm, I'm bringing it all together under me, the banner of the cross. And for those who embrace Christ, there's no more hostility or barriers between holy God and sinful man. No more barriers due to our willful sin. There's no more hostility or enmity between human beings who are saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus. And what does that say to racism and ethnocentrism? What does that say to superiority? What does that say to pride? It says pooey on that. That's what, that's what it says. That we are all sinners and we're saved by the grace of God. And if we in the church in America, if we could get that and we could look at everybody as our potential brother and our sister and we would lead them to the throne of God and we would share the gospel with them, oh, what a great nation this would be. Would it be? Oh, to God that it could be. The last thing I want to share with you is redemption's rewards. Now, when I'm studying this and I'm sharing this today, I, I, I want to make a statement real quickly because I don't want you to accuse me of heresy. I'm accused of a lot of things, but I don't want to be accused of heresy. Heresy would say, these are my rewards because I've earned them. And that's not what I'm saying. The Redeemer's rewards, He gives to us because He's the one who earned them. And there are two of them. Make sure you get this, church, before you leave. The two rewards 
that God is making available to us today. Oh, I love these words. Peace and access. Peace with God. Peace with our fellow man. And access to the very throne room of God himself. And that's all in verses 17 and 18. I want to look at this with you and then we're done. And so Jesus came and he preached peace to the Gentiles or to those who were far off, verse 17, and to those who were near. And I got to study in my Bible. That's a good thing, by the way, for a preacher to study his Bible. It's a good thing for you to study your Bible, too. So Luke 4, 18 and 19, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to Angelitzomai to preach the good news of the gospel. And then I go to John chapter 4, and there's a woman at the well... She's a half-breed, you with me? In, in 722, when the Assyrians took over the northern ten tribes of Israel and Ephraim, they made the capital Samaria. And the Assyrians made the Jews that were there intermingle and marry with all the nations of the world, and that's how the half-breeds came into existence. And that's what they were called. They were less. They weren't real Jews, and they weren't real Gentiles. They were just less. And Jesus, who owned that? He just walks right into Samaria, and the woman says, Woo, who are you? And he says, I'm the Son of God, and I'm going to save your ever-loving soul. And he did. And then she runs and tells everybody, Hey, 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 could it be they all those Samaritans come? He preaches to them, and they say, We're going to be saved, not because of you, ma'am, but because of what we heard him say. Remember now, he's saying, I preach to those who are far off. In Mark chapter 8, just last week, in this place, in this pulpit, we were preaching Mark chapter 8, and, the, and, and Jesus was in northern Palestine, and there was a large non-Jewish contingency there. And then there were some Jewish people there because his disciples were there, and Jesus said, whoever wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And he, he's sharing that with a non-Jewish audience. For God so loved the world. Okay, you with me? He came, I'm in verse 17, he preached peace. He evangelized all of us afar off, as well as those who were near. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus was near. He was near in that he got the law, Torah, the Mosaic commandments. And as a, in Nicodemus, part of the, the Sanhedrin, he, he got the 639 ramifications of the law. And they just piled law upon law upon law. And commandments and commandments and commandments and precepts upon precepts and precepts. So much so on Saturday, you couldn't even bend over and pick up a stick. If you bend over and pick up a stick, there'd be a Pharisee saying, you picked up too much weight. You're going to burn and go to hell. God is sorely displeased with you. My word, who wants to live like that? Jesus said, pooey on that. I'm going to come take all that away. Look here, look at me. I'm your perfect sacrifice. I am the son of the living God. And I'm taking all of your sins and all that stuff you could never keep. I keep it all. I keep it all. So you don't have to keep it all. You just believe on me and live for me and trust in me. I'll make you holy. I'll make you righteous. I'll make you obedient. And it'll be the life of all lives. And that's, that's what Jesus offers us. And I don't know about you, but that set me free when I finally understood that. Man, I've been preaching, trying to earn my way into heaven, memorizing Scripture. Surely God's going to be pleased with me, right? No. He's not pleased with man-made religion. He's only pleased with the sacrifice of His Son. Does anybody get this? Anybody, anybody care? Do you get it? Do you understand it? 
This is the gospel. And it sets us free. And we, and we come into God's presence. And he, he gives us peace. And he, he gives us joy. Because we've traded out and we've abandoned this man-made religion. For the real deal. Now let me mention this to you. Access. For through Him we have access. By the Holy Spirit to the Father. You know access is an interesting thing. You know when you really appreciate access is when you don't have it. <laughs> you ever notice that? We were, can I take y'all back to Washington, D.C. for just a moment? Y'all okay with that? Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. We're going to go back to Washington. I think I even got a couple of pictures. That, that's where, I almost called it the House of Commons. Whoops, it's the wrong country. Um, <clears throat> this is the Cannon House Office Building where the congressmen and congresswomen, that's where they have their offices. It's adjacent. I mean, the only thing separating that building from the Capitol is a street. And if you go underneath, there's a tunnel. And if you have access, you can walk into that building and you can come out in the Capitol building. And that's exactly what we did. We showed up to uh, to Michael, Michael McCall's office, congressman representing this district. 36th district of the great state of Texas. He's also, by the way, the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee. Big stuff. So we walk into his office, and Erin, she greets us. She's from Georgetown. Uh, from, and she's like, hey, y'all from Austin? I say, yes. And so we just have this immediate rapport with her, and she goes, y'all ready for your tour? And I'm like, yeah. Ben, Yeah. History everywhere. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm just licking these lollipops, man. I'm just looking at everything. And I'm like, this is amazing. Takes us under the tunnel. Had a little badge. I'm like, that's right. I got access. I'm with her. I'm with this woman. She's giving me access to this stuff. We go into the House of Representatives and where the, where the president gives the annual State of the Union a message. And, and we're sitting up there. And I'm like, dude, this is so cool. And I, I'm just envisioning all these fish. Ladies and gentlemen, arise. The president of the United States of America. And I'm just like, whoa, this is so cool, right? Quit looking at me like that. Y'all think I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. <laughs> this is big stuff. This is our country, right? So I'm walking through there. And we tour Okay, I, I didn't get, I got these, I took my picture with Stephen F. Austin and Sam Houston, all right? I know they're dead, but I'm, <laughs> you've got these huge monuments. They're like this big, this big, this big, and then Stephen F. Austin's this big. <laughs> He's the only one in the whole thing with his gun, all right, with his musket. And, the, and Aaron said, oh, y'all know why he's much shorter? Like, I don't know, but I'd like to know. That's actual life size. He's the only one holding the gun, and that's, that was actually his height. So I measured him, and I'm taller than him. <clears throat> I did. I, I did the measurement. It's like, I got my picture with him. Austin, Texas. Y'all with me? Stephen F. Austin. So we go back under the tunnel, and we... And Aaron says, hey, can I ask, would y'all really like to do something really cool? I'm like, yes, what, what, else, what else can we do? And she goes, how would y'all like to have access to 
Congressman McConnell's office, his very office. Everything is just like he left it. And y'all can go in and get your picture. And I'm like, show me the door, ma'am. Get in, let's get this thing on. And so she opens the door, and that's where we went. We went right in to the, to the congressman's office. Got all these little papers and got everything. That's a big office, by the way. And, and there we are, my wife and I. I mean, we're like in the inner sanctum. You know what I mean? We're, we're there and get our picture made. And can you imagine if I just walked up, didn't introduce, didn't say anything, just say, Hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm going into his office. There'd be police. There'd be bells and whistles. They would take me out as a crazy person. You just, nobody can just walk in here. But you can if you're invited. And you can if somebody gives you access. And so she said, would you like to? And I said, yes. It was that simple. I said, yes. And I'm going there and getting my picture made. And that's Jesus. He says, would you like to? All you got to do is say Yes. If you say yes, you get access. You, you get access to the very throne of God and you get all the forgiveness and all the peace and all the righteousness and all the right relatedness to God that you could ever get and, and it's all available. And God says, do you want it? And all you got to do is say, yes, that's what I want. And that's what Jesus offers us. The reach of the Redeemer, the Redeemer himself, and then his rewards. He grants us peace. He gives us access. So. What a gospel, what a story. And I actually get to preach it. And I get to extend it. Somebody here today say, that's what I want. I want access to God. But let me tell you something, guys. You, you can't get access to God through baptism, through tithing, through church membership. You can't get access to God through preaching. The only way you get access to God, I, trust me, I know. I tried it all. I'm like, I'm like Martin Luther. Augustinian monk, he's laying himself almost bare naked on the, in the monastery and he's memorizing scripture and he's like, man, I just, if I just try hard enough, I'll get to God. And then he says, then I saw Jesus and I was like, the gospel. That's why he said, I'm not ashamed now, the gospel. It's the power of God into salvation. It's not my works. It's his work. Anybody here want this? Anybody here want Jesus? I mean, you want to be saved? Do you want to come and be cleansed through his blood? Remember, we talked about it. No matter how far you are, he reaches you. Doesn't matter how close you are, he reaches you. And he saves you and he gives you peace and forgiveness. And if you're here today, listen, listen carefully. Please don't miss this. All you've got to do, you don't bring anything. You're dead, okay? You come, Spirit of God comes over you and he's convicting you and he's drawing you and you say, yes. Yes, I, I want that, God. I want to be your child, and I want your forgiveness. And I, what do I got to do? And Jesus said, I've already done it. I've already done it. I paved the way. Just believe. Believe in me. Walk with me right through this life all the way into eternity. And if you've made that commitment to him, then what you need to do, you need to walk with him right up those steps. You need to follow him. In baptism, the, the reason you're baptized is you're saying, I'm not ashamed. I, I believe it. I believe it all. And he died, I'm dying. I'm dead. He arose, I'm rising up. And I'm going to live for him. And then the next thing I would encourage you to do is get in a church. Get in a church that preaches the word of God above everything else. I'm serious. 
I don't care what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it smells like. If they're preaching the Word of God, you got to get there, okay? you got to get there. I had somebody tell me one time, I'm leaving that church because i got to go somewhere to get me a good Bible message. And I was like, man, that was hard. People say the darnest things. You know that? No, he really did. He said I mean, he, 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 was, he was important. He, he told me he was very important. He said, I'm leaving. i got to go get a good Bible message because you don't preach the Bible. I'm like, well, then you need to go. If, you, if God is leading you to go to somewhere else, then go somewhere else. Man, I do pray in Jesus' name. If he keeps you here, he'll keep you here. Stay with us. Help us. Lead this lost world to Jesus. I'm not perfect. No, I'm not. We're not perfect. But listen, we are pursuing Jesus with everything we've got. And I need you and I want you here with us. Somebody said on Facebook, well, I just feel God leading me away from Great Hills Baptist Church. Can't really explain why and I'm just leaving. I'm like, don't, don't leave. Don't stay, work, serve Jesus. He's coming. It could be in our lifetime. And I want to be somewhere when that book is opened up, man, and somebody's talking about the blood, and somebody's talking about the wrath of God, and Jesus comes back. That's where you need to be. And if it ain't here, then run. Run somewhere else that they are going to genuinely preach the word of God but if it's here let's get it here let's let's serve here and but I don't like you I don't like me sometimes either okay stay with us I wish I'd have said this five years ago you know I, I said if you don't like it maybe you need to leave listen if you don't like it pray and see if God keeps you here you say I want to serve and I want to I want to labor I want to I want to fill this place up I'm done. Thank you. Uh, hey, no. That's all I got. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your gospel. And I pray, Lord, that today would be a good day of salvation. A day, Lord, when people walk out of darkness, walk into light, saved through the blood of Jesus and Him alone. Lord, would you demolish, obliterate every barrier, God? Man-made, devil-made, culture-made, church-made, whatever barrier, God, we can construct, would you just obliterate it, draw us nigh through your blood? Lord, for the person that's here today, God, that just doesn't know you, Lord, doesn't, some, Lord, here today don't know you and they don't want to know you, would you help them? Would you draw them, God, into a, not a religion, but in a relationship with the sovereign God. Lord, if you can save me, I really believe you can save anybody. Lord, I pray for our church, God, for favor and blessings upon us, growth. Lord, I pray for all of it, numerical, financial, spiritual, and any other ill, Lord, I can think of. Just give it to us, God, and we'd be faithful, and we would preach your word, and we would keep knocking on people's doors, and we'd keep... Going to the nations. And God, we keep trying to be a radiant church that's reaching this world with the good news of the gospel. Lord, would you add people to us? Even today, God, and even next week when we have our new members class. You're good. You're worthy. And I worship you with everything within me. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. I invite you to stand. God bless you as you're still with us. Most of you have stayed. God bless you. Stick around now for the invitation. Terry, lead us. What a great song. I invite you to come. Join the church. Be baptized. Be saved. Most of all, come to know Him. Fall in love with Him. Surrender your heart and life to Him today. We invite you now, even now. Mm-hmm.